All right, the book of Proverbs again tonight. Proverbs chapter 6 is where we'll get started in Proverbs chapter number 6. And uh, we'll uh, move to uh, several different verses along the way as we continue in this series on uh, the people of Proverbs. And uh, this is number 34, I believe, uh, in this series. And I am pretty confident we're going to at least get to 50. And so... uh, that's just tonight, and so, uh, no, we'll, so uh, we'll continue to move through this until the Lord uh, uh, moves us in a different direction, and I've been asked, how, long, how do you know uh, when it's time to move to something else? Well, part of it is just, the Lord just kind of lets you know it's time to move, move on, as, as, as simple as that sounds. You say, how does that do that? Well, you look in Proverbs, and He doesn't show you any more people. And uh, so, so far, that's not a problem. And uh, so we'll continue in this series. I've enjoyed it. I trust that it's been a help to you. And the Bible, uh, there's mysteries in the scripture that you and I uh, really can't comprehend because God is so far above us. Uh, But there's so much in scripture that's practical. God wants us to have a successful Christian life. So he gives us a book that we can practically apply to our life, and certainly as we look at these throughout these Wednesday nights, uh, we will um, uh, certainly learn some things that will help us, and so let's begin with Proverbs chapter number 6, and uh, let's begin with verse number 16, we'll read down through verse number 19. These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him, a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. And heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. I want you to look again at verse number. What we see here, there's six things that God hates. Seven's an abomination. Uh, we are familiar with this list. I've, I've taught from it. I've preached from it several times. But I want us to notice verse 17, the first one mentioned, a proud look. Last Wednesday, anybody remember what I taught last Wednesday? Okay, three of you, all right, good. We, we talked about dealing with the proud man. And so tonight, we're going to deal with the proud man, part two. And so we're going to look at the proud man again. The Bible says a lot. The book of Proverbs says a lot about pride and the proud man. And so I'll remind us, I'll review just a little bit, and then I'll jump into the outline tonight. And so uh, we'll continue dealing with the, the proud man. Father, help us tonight as we look at the serious matter. And we look at the subject of pride. That, that's, a, that's an issue we all have. Uh, may we approach it with uh, humility tonight. May we approach it with a, a willingness to have the Spirit of God teach us, convict us. Uh, Father, warn us. Uh, may we... Uh, be better Christians because of what we see in the Scripture tonight. May we know how to help somebody else uh, because of what we see in the Scripture tonight. And uh, may you uh, speak to us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I'll remind you again that uh, pride is very, very dangerous uh, in our life. Uh, a proud individual is, is hard to reason with, is hard to work with, a, someone who's full of their own pride, a proud man, as the scripture would refer to them, is someone that's in trouble. Uh, often, uh, we look at these other characters uh, the way we should, with, with, with caution. Uh, we separate. Uh, and sometimes, even with disdain, we look at them. 
For example, the fool. I mentioned this last week. Uh, the fool. We, we know what the Bible says about the fool. Uh, if you follow in the, direct, the, the path of a fool, you're going to end up uh, suffering from the consequences of his folly. A scorner. The Bible is very specific on how we're supposed to deal with a scorner. And so on and so on, we could, we could refer to them. But as I mentioned last Wednesday, it's good for me to point out this Wednesday, you don't become a fool without first becoming a, being a proud man. There's never been a scorner that wasn't first a proud man. And we could go through the list of all of those that we want to stay away from. Well, I would never want to be a discord sower. Well, if we swell up with pride... We're going to be that before we're a discord sower. So, Pastor, why are you pointing all that out? Because you and I need to treat pride like the Bible tells us to treat it. And we ought to uh, avoid it. We ought to deal with it in our own heart because we all have a pride problem. And so I'll remind us again uh, that the Bible tells us how to deal with pride in the proud. And so you and I need to deal with the proud man like the Bible says to deal with the proud man. But let me remind us all tonight, sometimes that proud man is, is ourself. Sometimes it, it's nice to say, well, I, I'm not a fool, and, and, and I need to know how to deal with a fool. True. Sometimes we are the fool, though. But pride is something that we all need to be on guard of. As I, as I, as I taught last Wednesday from the Scripture, pride is going to eventually lead to destruction. If we don't deal with our pride, pride only ends with one result, and that's destruction. Because if you just take this list, uh, the six things, before any of those other things take place, there's got to be pride. And so you and I need to deal with the proud man. And so let me remind you of the a definition of pride, then we'll get into the outline tonight. Uh, a definition of pride is an inordinate self-esteem, uh, meaning more self-esteem than we should have. Well, this, this world today, don't listen to the humanistic philosophy of the world today. You, well, you, need, you need more self-esteem. We, we all have value because Jesus died for us and God created us. So no matter who you are, what talents you have or don't have, what you've been through, you have value because Jesus died for you. That's value. But we don't need to puff ourselves up. And uh, this, this world today, the philosophy is having more, that, that more self-esteem than we need. My, my value is in Christ. Your value is in Christ. My value is not in how good I feel about myself. Let's be honest, we don't always feel good about ourselves, do we? I mean, have you ever felt good about yourself walking out of Taco Bell? I mean, come on, let's be honest tonight. We don't always feel good about ourselves. But does that cheapen your value when it comes to Christ? Absolutely not. When, we're, when, we, we, make, when we stumble and fall in our Christian life, we're not what we're supposed to be. We don't feel good about ourselves. We shouldn't. But that doesn't mean we're less worth. We're worth less because Christ still paid the ultimate price for us. So we don't need, we say, well, I just have all this self-esteem. Be careful, there's some pride there. It's an unreasonable conceit of one's own superiority and talents. Now, talents are things that God decided to give each and every person. Uh, everybody in here has some sort of talent. It may not be what the talent that you want to have, but we all have talents. 
Uh, and God gave, gave us those talents. Now, we're to use those talents for the Lord, but the idea that they're superior, and then some have given, God has given some people great talents. And we should not have that pride, that superiority in talents. If God gave you a talent, use it. Use it. If, if you don't have talents, other people don't have, you, you, your, your value is in Christ. You're not worth any less. God decided what he was going to do with everybody. It might mean you have to work a little bit harder, which, I mean, that's going to help your character. But if you have talent, don't be ashamed of your talent. Use it for the Lord. But don't be boastful in that talent. Don't put too much of yourself into that talent. You didn't do nothing to get that talent. You might develop it. You might work at it. But you didn't do anything. You're born with it. We put too much superior in our talents and our beauty and our wealth and our accomplishments, rank, our elevation in office, which manifests itself in lofty airs, distance, reserve, and often in contempt of others. Pride is something we need to be very, very careful of. There is no way to take pride and dress it up to make it acceptable. There's no way. There's no way to justify it. You know, we're all good at justifying faults, failures. There's no way to justify pride. In the sight of God, there's no way to dress it up and make it acceptable. Truth of the matter is, as we deal with people, you can see pride coming long before it ever gets there. It's hard to deal with people. Now, tonight is not on this is, you know, this particular thing is pride, or what you say this is pride, it's just pride in general. And I think we can all establish that we all have pride problems. It's our nature. So let's look at several things tonight as we deal with the proud man, part number two. Let's look at our text tonight, chapter 6 and verse 17. We see, first of all, verse 16, these six things that the Lord hate, he has seven are abomination unto him. Let's focus on that, uh, uh, that proud look. Number one, the proud man has a condescending view of his fellow man which leads to treatment that God hates. The proud look. That you say, well, he, often that's, that's interpreted, and I wouldn't argue with you. I, I mean, I, th- I think it could be interpreted this way. Well, he just looks like he's full of himself. I think a different way to look at a proud look, like I said, I won't argue with you. They both can apply is the way you look at people. Through that prism, if you will, of pride. It has a condescending view of his fellow man. You and I need to be very careful because we can look at those who have made poor choices. I'll give you an example. You can... The Bible, we talked about a fool and what the Bible says about a fool. If we're not careful, we can look at a fool in a condescending manner. And God says, I hate that proud look. We can look at what somebody else does and God's not going to change the Bible for any man. And when God says walk a certain way, you and I are to walk that way. You and I are to obey this book. You and I are to do what God says to do. 
And if you go a different way, there's consequences for that. And, and if somebody you know and you love and people go to church with decide one day that I'm leaving the things of God, we're not supposed to go with them. We're supposed to stay with God. That does not give us a right to look at them in a condescending manner. I wonder how many Christians who've never been in the pig pen have driven by the pig pen and cast that proud gaze to the prodigal in the pig pen. God says he hates a proud look. Because, but for the grace of God, there are decisions you and I made that we didn't even realize how important those decisions were. If we had made it the different decision, we'd be in the pig pen. We'd have the scars. We'd have the baggage. And truth of the matter is, if you're all here, I see everybody here tonight, we still got days ahead of us. We don't know what is gonna fa- we're going to face in the future. We don't need to go through this life with a proud look. Look at what I am. Look at what I have not done. Look at what I have not become. Look what I would never do that. God says that's a, that's a condescending look. Matter of fact, I could, I could take this and, and my, we, we as Christians need to hear this one point right here. We in churches, this needs to be taught in one point right here. The Bible says that we're supposed to restore, not look down our nose at them. Now, let me be very clear. If somebody has a disorderly walk, God says to distance yourself from them. doesn't say to look down your nose at them, though. But why would I want to dirty myself for those people? God said, I hate that. That proud look, the the proud man has a condescending view of his fellow man, which leads to treatment that God hates. Is God for purity, yes or no? Yes. Is he for holiness? Yes. Is he for separation? Yes or no? Yes, absolutely. But any as, as we obey this book and wash ourselves in this book and separate ourselves from this world, we separate ourselves to God, holiness has a positive effect. But we need to be very careful. Everything that is holy about us is only of God. Everything that is pure about us is only of God. Anything that is good in us is only of God. We're fools if we walk around in that condescending look. Hey, I'm I'm an independent, fundamental Baptist by conviction. I believe this Bible by conviction. I'm not not changing. Well, there's some others who have changed or not that. I'm not changing. We need to be careful. Oh, you're not an independent fundamental Baptist. Now, I believe if you study this Bible, you will be. We need to be very careful that we take this pride in our stand. I'll let you see my notes. None of this is in my notes, so I'm just going with where the Spirit takes me tonight. My kids wouldn't behave that way. I wonder what they have going on in their home. Oh, be careful with that proud look. God hates it. He hates it. Uh, 
the proud, that condescending view, it's never right. There's nothing wrong with saying, oh, I'm so thankful that I made the right decision. I'm so thankful God gave me the parents he gave me to have me in the place I needed to be so I could be taught the word of God, so I could make the decision. Well, this is this one point right here, and we may not get to another point, but this point right here is a good point for us. Because you look around this world, and you look at the things in this world, and there's frustration. It's okay to get frustrated. We don't let that frustration lead to a condescending spirit. At a, at, a, at a lost man acting like a lost man. A man that doesn't know the word. Not everybody, and I, and I, and I remind our staff of this, and I, I, remind, I, I want to remind our church of this. Not everybody's been taught what we've been taught. I've had to remind myself of this. I'm a privileged man in, in the home I grew up in and what I was exposed to as far as, as far as what this Bible teaches and great men of the past and their influence. Not everybody had that. I'm thankful for it, but how dare I if I ever set myself up and just look down my nose? Be very, very careful of this. The proud man has a condescending view of his fellow man, which leads to treatment that God hates. If we have that condescending view, it's going to lead us to treat people the way we should not treat them. And we need to be very careful of that because God is going to hold us accountable if we mistreat people. We're going to touch on that in, in just a moment. Number two, look at me in chapter 15. That's such a good point. Do right. I can't get off of it. Do right. But don't, it's by the grace of God. It's by the grace of God. You know, parents, if you rear your, your children, sir, all your children are serving the Lord today. You thank God. You, you took them where you're supposed to take them to do all those kind of things. But by the grace of God, they made the right decisions. Amen. And if your children, some of you, if you have adult children, they're not all doing what they, sh- that they should, should do tonight. And you had them where they needed to be and all that. You, you, th- you did what you were supposed to do and you, 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 you pray for them. But, but, but don't, don't beat yourself up because they made a different decision. Because the bottom line is, it's all by the grace of God. I'm moving on. Chapter 15, verse 25. The Lord will destroy the house of the proud, but he will establish the border of the widow. We, let me statement number two. The proud man thinks they're not vulnerable because of their status. And read that verse again. The Lord will, will destroy the house of the proud, but he will establish the border of the widow. The proud man thinks they are not vulnerable because of their status. They, they, we, we, can, we can put it in the same context of point number one. Well, I, I could never fall because. Or this, I mean, we, 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 this could never happen because we look down. But the proud man looks at what he's accomplished. Look at the house I live in and look at the things that I have and Look at the status I've achieved. You compare that to the widow. Certainly, and it's true today, but even probably even more so in this day, has nothing, nobody to take care of her. And what does the Bible say? 
he'll establish the border of the widow. The, the little space that widow has may be this big. But God's putting a border around her. And what the world would say is vulnerable, the one who's vulnerable is not vulnerable. Because God himself is, oh, this is good, is taking care of her. But the proud who thinks he's not vulnerable, God doesn't put a border. Friend, the reason why you and I have not been destroyed by this world is by the protection of an almighty God. By the grace of an almighty God. Don't forget the home you drive home to tonight, no matter how big or how small it is, if you've got a roof over your head, but God, that's the grace of God. The home, the family that you have that God has blessed you with. Well, I, I, I've done this and I've worked hard. Yes, by the grace of God, you've had the strength and you've had the opportunity. But, but don't miss the fact that God has drawn a border around your, your home protecting you because of your dependence on Him, because of His grace. But if a proud man gets to the place, I don't need God, look at what I've done. I don't need his, his book. Look, look, at what, look at my family. Look at what I've accomplished. God says, you have no border. Therefore, you will be destroyed. You and I need to be reminded tonight the only way. We, we're still upright tonight. This is a wicked world, an evil world. We have an enemy that would destroy us. It's by the grace of God. Proud man thinks they're not vulnerable because of their status. But it's that widow who has that border drawn around her. She's the one that's not vulnerable because it's God taking care of her. You want to talk about an alarm system. You're protected by God. Have that sign in your front yard. More better than having the sign is the reality that God takes care of us. Friend, let's not get so full of ourselves that we think it's us. Yeah, you, you have to have your family in the right place. You have to have some certain things in your home so God will bless you. You have to have him the head of your house, the foundation of your home, your marriage, all of that. There are things that this Bible says you, need, you must do as a parent and, and as a spouse and all of that. Yes, those are the blessings of God. But we get to a place, look at what I have done and I've accomplished, and we don't give God the glory for the strength, the ability, the opportunity. Hey, there's no government stimulus that got you your job. God gave it to you. That's why you have it. As long as we understand that, there's a border around us. It doesn't mean we'll never have a burden. It doesn't mean we'll never have a heartache. We get to the place, look at what I've accomplished. God says, okay, you don't need me? Then I'm just going to withdraw my protection and just let this nasty, make you susceptible to this nasty world. Number 3, chapter 16, verse 5. Chapter 16, verse 5. Everyone, how many? Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Okay? So when you and I are proud in heart, are, is there an exception? No. 
everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. You know, that's a, let that, let that weigh on you for a second. Think about the things in the Bible that God says are an abomination to him. There, there's a lot of Christians, there's preachers who preach against the abomination of homosexuality as they should. But then they sit in a church with a proud heart. And God says, hold up. That's an ab- you're an abomination too. Number, did they even finish that whole verse? Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though hand join in hand, he shall not be unpunished. Number th- are we on number three? The proud man believes in his heart he can exist outside of God. The proud man believes in his heart he can exist outside of God. This is why God, this is why it's an abomination, because man can't, ex- man can't function without God. We can't, our heart won't even beat without God allowing it to beat. We don't even have life without God's permission. And a proud man thinks he can exist outside of God. That's really what pride is. It's an improper view of themselves in relation to God. Because if we keep God in view, we can't help but realize how, how weak we are and how frail we are. And in sight of God, what are we? But a proud man's an abomination because he lifts himself up He has too high of an opinion of himself, and God says that's an abomination. Why? Because no man can exist without God. No man can function without God's permission. Thinks he can exist outside of God. Notice the context that we get in the second part of that verse. Though hand join in hand, it shall not be unpunished. no, No matter what alliance you have, It's, you're not going to go through it unscathed. What are you talking about? I'm talking about life in general. The proud man believes in his heart and exists outside of God. Go through life. I don't need God. Go through life. I can do what I want to do. You know, you may not reap the consequences of that today or even tomorrow, but you and I need to keep in view God's opinion of that. I don't understand why... Christians will lose sleep over somebody they don't even know who follows them on Instagram who either didn't like their post or made a comment on their post and they think nothing of going through their life so full of themselves that they don't need God, they don't need His Word, they don't need His direction, knowing what God thinks about that. Would to God we'd have a revival of being concerned about what God thinks about more than we're concerned about what man thinks about. Not just life, but consequences. The proud man believes in his heart he can exist outside of God in his life, but though hand beat, join in hand, he shall not be unpunished. Thinks he can live outside of God's consequences. Aren't you glad God's a gracious and merciful God? 
God the just God. Though hand joined in hand. He didn't say today, although it could be today. It, there's, you can't live outside of God's consequences. Number four, chapter 16, verse 19. Chapter 16, verse 19. Better it is to be of an humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. Now, God's telling us there's two things here. One of them is better than the other. Now, notice what, what he's talking about. In the, there's the lowly. Did, did anybody have that in their high school yearbook of what they were to become? Lowly. What do you want to achieve one day? I just want to be lowly. Or do you want to be, notice, then divide the spoil? Everybody wants to be a success. Everybody wants to have. Everybody wants that plenty. But God says it's better to be with the lowly and have a humble spirit than with the proud, dividing the spoil, dividing the success. And this brings us to statement number four. The proud man is always looking out for himself due to his elevated opinion of himself. You know, there are some things, times in life you and I are not going to have spoil. But if, we, but if God brings us to a place and we know that we're following him and we go through the valley, God says it's better for you to be of the lowly, it's better for you to be of the poor, it's better for you to be of the, those that don't have much, than to be with the proud dividing the spoil. And I believe the connotation here is the spoil that is obtained because all they care about is themselves. There's a lot of Christians you can obtain if you put your mind to it, but you're going to have to ignore those that God put in your home to take care of. Those that God puts in your pathway to minister to. Those that we're supposed to get the gospel to. You can have some spoil. And parents, please, please, please. Yes, we live in the day of opportunity. We live in the, in, 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 in the day of capitalism and the, the American dream. But it's not about the spoil. Because if you and I have to obtain that spoil because it's all about us. God says it's better for you to be with a lowly. And your heart be humble and have humility than to be with the proud, dividing the spoil. The proud man is always looking out for himself. Do we know, some, do we know people like that? You know why? Because they have an elevated opinion of themselves. Well, I deserve this more than you deserve it. Who decides that? Well, I do, of course. You know, okay, we, it's just case in point. You know, we, we elevate ourselves, we think we deserve things. And by the way, whenever you and I get in this attitude, well, well I deserve this. Well, I deserve that. Well, I don't know what pastor passed over me. I deserve this. I don't know what my parents, I deserve this. I don't, you know what that is? That's pride. Because you know what you and I deserve? 
Hell. That's all we deserve. But by the grace of God, we don't have to go there. By the grace of God, He's better to us than we deserve. Anything above hell is a blessing because that's all we deserve. We must be careful always looking because, you know, isn't that what Jesus did? Always looked out for himself? Always want to make sure he had what he needed? Always want to make sure that he got his? I mean, he's our example, right? That's why, that's why many had such a hard time accepting that he was the Messiah, was the Son of God, because he, 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 he conducted himself so lowly. That's our example. And we as a church, let me just apply this. Of course, also we don't, let's never get to the place where it's like, well, Pastor, isn't it time we start thinking about ourselves? Well, when we get to that place, that means we're a church full of pride. God's, God's good to us. God takes care of his church. God will take care of your home. I move to number five, chapter 21. And just, just so you know, there's not a part three to this study, so we just have to get through the night. Chapter 21, verse number four. And high look, let's go back to verse number three because it gives it context. Let's go back to number two because it gives more context. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes. But the Lord pondereth the hearts to do justice and judgment is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. Okay, let's put some context. God says for you to do justice. And by the way, you'll never in the Bible find the word social and justice together. Because that's not justice. It, it's in... It's in a book I'm working on, Satan's Culture, the, the greatest evidence of social justice you'll find in the Bible is the mob that chanted, crucify him. Um, to do justice and judgment. To do justice and judgment according to how God judges. What does he say? Is more acceptable to the Lord than not being concerned about that and offering sacrifice. Does God like to have sacrifice? Absolutely. He required it in the Old Testament. But God said, I'd rather you do just by me and by my word and do proper judgment than offer me sacrifice. That's, that's the backdrop of verse number four. And high look and a proud heart and the plowing of the wicked is sin. Uh, statement number five, the proud man's selfish outlook and injustices is sin. We live in a day where we are so unjust with our fellow man. I don't have time to get into this tonight because it's a whole, it's a whole series in itself. But a proud man is only concerned about himself. And he's not concerned about the injustices he does. It could be in dishonesty. It could be, as I described in the point number one, that proud look, looking down, 
that condescending look to the prodigal or to somebody who, who doesn't know the things they know. That, that proud look. That's not just. That's, that's an injustice according to God. We're supposed to look at our fellow man with an even look. None of us are better than somebody else. If you've been saved for 25 years, from God's perspective, you're eyeball to eyeball with a person that's been saved for 24 hours. Now, you know more, you should know more, so you have responsibility to this individual, but you're, but you're not better than him. And we, we treat each other unjustly because we're trying to get ours, or we think, well, I, I need to get my way, or my opinion is more important. And I remember last week, one of the things I referenced was, at least we ought to consider the possibility that we might be wrong. And so a proud man's selfish outlook, it's all about me. And because of that, we are unjust. We have injustices to people. God reminds us that's sin. We look at what the fool does and we say, that's sin. And it is. We look at the scorner and say, that's sin. And it is. We look at all of these things we say, that's sin. But God says, your selfish outlook, when you treat people unjustly, that's sin. I said earlier that you can't package pride in any way to make it look good. It always looks bad. Number six. I'll hurry through these last two. Chapter 21, verse 24. This is a good one, too. Chapter 21, verse 24. Proud and haughty scorner is his name, who dealeth in proud wrath. So... Somebody who deals in proud wrath. God says, proud and haughty scorner is his name. So, what's the point we want to take from that? Number six, the proud man is enraged at the smallest slight. The proud man is enraged at the smallest slight. Because he has such an elevated opinion of himself, if somebody doesn't treat him the way he thinks he should be treated, he's going to lash out. The dealeth in proud wrath. You know, whether somebody treats you right or not, everybody deserves a measure of respect. Well, I know what they were saying was right, but I didn't like the way they were saying it. Oh, there's obvious, if there's a child and a parent, there's respect, there shouldn't be disrespect. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about in our everyday life, as we encounter people, people we go to church with, people we work with, people we, that, that live in our neighborhoods, well, they should have treated me better than that. Why don't we let God deal with them about the way they treated us And let's not act like a proud man and lash out because we were slighted. We live in a day where everybody is offended. I'm leaving the church. Why? I was offended. Oh. You know what you're saying when you say that? It's not about Christ. It's about you. I mean, could you imagine I come in here on Sunday 
folks, I'm leaving. Pastor, and the tears break out, of course. The pastor, why are you leaving? I was offended. I stood in that foyer. And somebody walked by without shaking my hand. I feel like I'm just not welcome here. I feel like I just don't belong here. I feel like I should go somewhere where I'm appreciated. You're laughing and snickering because that's silly. Now you're all going to make sure you stop and shake my hand tonight. <laughs> you know, besides the fact that when we dismiss, there's a couple hundred people trying to get through that eight-foot-wide doorway there. And sometimes people are talking to me, but we don't take that into consideration. They just don't appreciate me. I need to go somewhere I'm appreciated. Let's flip that around. Why are you leaving the church? Well, I'm offended. The pastor didn't shake my hand. Well, if it's, if it's silly on one end, it's silly on the other end. Now, I want to see you. I want to greet you. I want you to greet me. Sometimes that doesn't happen. Sometimes you slip out this way. Sometimes I'm talking. Sometimes I have to leave, whatever. But I hope you came to church to do more than shake the pastor's hand. Because I certainly came to church to do more than shake your hand. I didn't mean to sound that condescending, but that's certainly the case. The point is, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about him. And the Bible says, great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Why? Because we keep ourselves in the proper perspective in comparison to Him. There's nobody in this church more important than Him. Nobody. It's about Him. But the proud man gets worked up at the smallest slight. I don't like to be slighted, neither do you. I don't like to be offended, and neither do you. I don't like for somebody to be rude to me, and neither do you. But it's a test of our pride. Well, bless God, they're never going to treat me. Okay, what does the Bible say? Who dealeth in proud wrath. We better be careful making our decisions based on our proud wrath. Why are you so mad? After a while, I was like, I don't even know. They mistreated me. You ever been mistreated at Walmart? How about, how about the doctor's office? You know, anywhere. Of course we have. But God, I'll never come back here again. And the cashier's like, see you next Tuesday. <laughs> Number seven, 28, 25. Chapter 28, verse 25. This is where... It leads us. Chapter 28, verse 25. He that is of a proud heart stirreth up strife. But he that putteth his trust in the Lord shall be made fat. When we trust God, he takes care of us. He takes care of us. 
You'll find several times Psalms, Proverbs, and, and, and other places where the Lord makes fat. The signifying of that is more than we need. We have our needs met. So if our trust is in Him, we're taken care of. But the, the, if you're a proud heart, you're stirring up strife. Why? Because the, the definition of pride. We have, a, we have an elevated opinion of ourselves. So let me give you number seven. The, the proud man, let me, before, I, before I give you number seven, do, do you like to be, in, I'm, I'm sure there's somebody that likes this, but the most people do not like to live in strife. And even those who stir up strife, dare I say the drama queens. And I've met some male drama queens too, but that, that's a whole other story. Those that like to stir up strife, they still don't like strife. A, a proud man who has an elevated opinion, who has an elevated thought of themselves or, 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 or think that they, they are put on this earth to administer justice and make things even and they'll get themselves worked up and I couldn't sleep all night. Why? Because you got yourself worked up. And in doing so, you create a strife. Why? Because... You're depending on your own reason. You're depending on your own mind. You have an elevated opinion. And by the way, let me remind you that this helps us understand the proud man, but also understand many times we are the proud man. And there's a lot of Christians who <clears throat> you could have a lot of strife come out of your life if you would just lower your opinion of yourself, which sometimes means you lower your opinion of your opinion. There's so many things we get worked up about that God will take care of if we'll let him. But we think we have to help God. God, let me help you deal with this situation. I know you hung the billions of stars in the sky. I know, you, I know the mysteries of the world you, you, you wrote. I know all that, but you need to uh, you think you ought to be thankful that I'm here for you, God. I'm going to sort this out for you. What a miserable way to live. And I would dare say we've all been there at some point. Because we think, and I'm not saying there's not situations where, where, where somebody has done us wrong and, and, and things haven't been done right. But, you know, God talks about that over and over and over. He'll take care of it. But see, number seven, have I given you number seven yet? The proud man finds no peace in his self-dependence. The proud man finds no peace in his self-dependence. One of the greatest things that ever take place in your life is when you get to that place and when you forget, get back to it. When you say, I'm just going to let God take care of that. Pastor, so-and-so, I'm just going to let God take care of that. God's capable of taking care of it. I have to depend on God. I have to obey Him. You know, it's, it's the proud man finds no peace in his self-dependence. You and I need to depend on God. We need, do not need to have an elevated opinion of our opinion. We don't have an, need to have an elevated opinion of of, of ourself and, and and our knowledge and and all of these things. I mean, you know, I. 
if you'll permit me to say this, I'm a fairly intelligent person. That does not mean I'm infallible. I mean, whatever field you're in, it's like, well, I, Pastor, put me in charge of this, and I'm supposed to, well, you're still human. We're all human. And we need to be reminded that everything that we have is God gives it to us. You know, pride is the source of so many problems we have. Now, this ought to help us tonight. This, this ought to help us tonight. Because if we don't finish our race for him, you could say it was this or this. It all is going to come back to one thing, pride. Anybody who's out of fellowship with God, pride. We stumble and fall, pride. We have our relationships get strained. There's a pride problem there. I cannot fix pride in somebody else. If I know what the Bible says about it, I can understand it. I can't fix pride in somebody else, but I certainly can humble my own heart. You know why they're, when there's strife in the church, you know why there's strife? Pride. When two Christians are at odds with each other, pride. Well, I know I'm right. I know I'm right. Well, I know they're right, but I'm not telling them. I mean, there's, there's pride. You think of Diotrephes who rose up against the Apostle John. He thought too much of himself. Pride's the killer of the Christian. The killer of the home. The killer of churches. We need to preach against all of the things in this world that God is against. But we need to be on guard for pride in our own heart. When you go home tonight, you think about what God's done for you. The family he's given you, the home he's given you. The opportunities. You say, well, Pastor, I don't have very much of that. Look at the church he's given you. God has done it all. Every good thing we have is because of God. Everything that we can boast about, it ought to be in the context of, look at what God has done. Because when it becomes about us, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. Preachers don't end their race faithfully because of pride. Christians don't end their race faithfully because of pride. You and I need to make sure that we are, we are, we are dealing with our pride. If the Lord convicts us tonight of an area, uh, let's deal with that. Let's be on guard in this area of pride. Let's not have a proud look. Let's not look down our nose at those who aren't doing what they should do. doesn't mean we go join them. We ought to be praying for them. How can I help them? Boy, so many ways to apply this tonight. Father, help us tonight.